Hey guys, before we go any further, just a quick disclaimer. I am not a therapist in any way, shape or form. I'm just here giving you ways in which I dealt with my mental health. Without further ado, let's jump right into this week's episode. The episode's here. Um, unfortunately, there's no video. But hopefully you stick around to listen to Veronica's story from her depression to taking magic mushrooms on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Great little segment. And um, kind of getting involved with a married man. It's a great episode, really funny in places, and uh, such a heartwarming story to go from depressed to now running our own business. Check it out. Please do stay to listen. Appreciate that. Hey guys, today on the show, on Still Worth the Journey, we have the wonderful Veronica, and she's joining me all the way. Is it Czech Republic you're joining me from? It is Czech Republic, yeah. So I kept thinking, was it Czechoslovakia or was it Czech Republic? So... I was trying to work that out. Um, so, hey, welcome to the show. Really do appreciate you coming on and joining me on Still Worth the Journey. So, Veronica, what's your story? What uh, What is it that you went through? Yeah, um, I wanted to thank you first and foremost for doing this podcast because I, uh, when I went through depression and anxiety, I, I wish there were some resources like this. Like today, you can find so many resources there and people talking about their experience but back then when I was little then nothing like that was there so thank you for doing this it's very important and I hope that our listeners your listeners will get value from my story today um and yeah so what I went through my parents divorced when I was three and I remember everything like sometimes people think that when you are three that you just forget but I remember all the suffering, you know, there was a lot of arguments and a lot of crying, a lot of shouting. And then my mom took us, um, we moved to our stepfather. Um, so we started living in different city. I, I saw my father two times uh, a month and I didn't know much what was happening to me. Um, I started going to school as every other uh, child. and. When I was in my teenage years, I noticed like like things get re- got really heavy. Um, I started waking up and I was sad all the time. Um, it felt like there was a huge burden on my shoulders and I felt heaviness in my chest and in my head. And it felt like some kind of emotional flu, but mm. it took several months. And I didn't know that it was something not normal. I thought that it was just me being me you know like the broken person um uh, i already felt different from uh, other people in uh in my school um because i was moving there from different city and not many parents who are divorced like then mm. i was born in 1990 and uh, my depression started i think in 2003 when i was 13 um and yeah so this is how it actually happened and it was after uh, I had my first boyfriend. He was 10 years older than me. And uh, there was a little bit of abuse, like emotional and sexual abuse. And then he left me. Um, after that, it it went, uh, it was really dark, like really dark, dark years for me. Um, and it eventually, um, it was culminating throughout teenage years and when I was 19 and I needed to decide where I want to go uh, with my life 
I didn't get to any university. Like I, I failed all the tests, and um, then I had to spend a year on special school, uh, English English school for people who didn't get to any university. So, in this year, I experienced uh, suicidal thoughts and suicidal depression, and that was the year where I decided that I am going to do whatever it takes to get out of it, and I did. So it took me several more years. I don't know how much detail I can share here, but uh, after more years of working on myself and, and my mind and my story and my emotions, I eventually got over it. And today I don't have any signs of depression, which is very, very, very good. I'm really, really grateful. Oh, wow. Thank you for being so open as well and bringing the story here as well. It's quite a quite a deep one and it's it's quite close to me that one uh my mom and dad also divorced but i was six mm-hmm. so i can sort of feel feel where you're coming from with that especially with the pain and the shouting the screaming and the arguments the fighting the abuse that you see as well as a child yeah a lot of people do say how can you remember that far back but you do i, I when you when you're inflicted with that much trauma it sticks in your head and it replays over and over and over like a like a movie strip, so to speak. So, wow. Yeah, and wow. end or something, and you are so. Then you start asking questions, and it can really take many therapies or many people talking to you from different angles to explain to you what is actually going on with your own mind. Because yeah. for you, where you are in that state, it can feel like you are just in a dark place, and you cannot take anybody else with you. You cannot really explain what is going on. So. Um, for everybody who is listening, I just want to cheer you on that. I, I really understand um, that it can be hard to explain what you actually feel, um, but it's never never too late to start asking for help. Exactly. Yes. It's, have you ever spoke to your mom and dad about all this since you've you know grown up and you're, and you're starting to find yourself and, and the reasons why you were feeling that way? Have you ever like, sat your mom and dad down and spoke? Yeah, I, you know, there was another thing uh, that my older sister was diagnosed uh, as bipolar when she, um, and she was, um, she was sent to the hospital when she was in her 20s. And mm. uh, so my parents had to talk together and they had to uh, talk about what was going wrong <laughs> and what was going on in our family line. So I also mentioned that I, I had my moods, you know, and I was sad. But back then, I was too afraid to mention that uh, I actually feel suicidal thoughts because I was afraid that I would be sent to hospital as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I said it to my... I said... Talked? No, said <laughs> all about it <laughs> to my mom ten, 10 years after I was completely healed um, because it finally felt, felt safe to say so. And she was... Of course, she was stressed about it and she apologized and I didn't want to make her feel bad, you know, because there was no no reason to it. It was already yeah. like 30 years old story. And um, But I asked many times, like, what exactly happened back then? Because I could still feel all the anxiety which was happening back then. I could still feel it in my body when I was 30. So I asked my mom if she 
felt something something like this when I was little and she admitted actually that yes that she went through all the feelings I I had when I was breaking up with my partner in my 30s so um children can be really um really sensitive really empathetic really taking on all of that as a sponge you know as you said you you felt like it was maybe your fault that parents yeah. are arguing and this is such a normal reaction that you um, switch to the more like, what can I do? I am six. What can I do? So they yeah. stop arguing and they, they like each other and I have safe environment. <laughs> but it unfortunately doesn't work like this. So it's very normal that you blame yourself. But uh, it's also very important to, uh, to break this pattern once you are grow up and you understand what was going on. Yeah. Also, I've... I've... Like me and my partner at the moment, we argue over loads of little things and we've got children and sometimes we sit there and I sit there and I think, should we be arguing around the kids? But I think it's because I've grew up in that environment as well. Some of that does still attach itself. So in your relationships, have you ever been quite argumentative with a partner? Yeah, I was extremely afraid of getting into argument. Um, So I was afraid of serious relationship then I was afraid of living together and once we started living together there were a lot of layers I had to work through um <clears throat> there were many uh occasions when I would be coming back from vacation to our uh home and yeah. I would get such a huge anxiety attack of getting back to <laughs> relationship and, and nothing bad was happening like my partner was super nice super open he understood he was very supportive and yet still my body was still expecting something bad to happen and uh, <clears throat> those layers can be really really deep um as you mentioned you are working on it and and you are thinking consciously what can yeah. we do different how can we fight in a safe way how can we communicate in a safe way um yeah so sometimes it feels like you are parenting not just your kids but also your own nervous system <laughs> that everything is going to oh, be all right. Yeah. We can I fight, understand. but I'm going to die. <laughs> I literally walk through life just questioning my own being most of the time, just thinking, you know, I'm trying everything that I can. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm trying to be the best person that I can. And yet every single step I take, there's like a stumbling block there that's knocking me back three spaces. It's like, no, you're not allowed to keep going. Yeah. keep knocking you down keep knocking you down keep knocking you down and as positive as you can be it's almost as if like you start telling yourself i'm really destined to carry on with this what's going on here was i dealt a bad hand at birth like what, what have i done in the? <laughs> i've been good i've not caused any trouble i've not hurt anybody in that way i've not stole or got in trouble with the police and it's like i see people out there all the time like just just through driving they're so insensitive to other people around them. And it's like, how are you getting through life like that? How do you sleep through? How do you sleep? You're that entitled to yourself. And that just bugs me because I'm like, you know, yeah. is there a God or not? Because these, <laughs> these people here, clearly they're breaking the rules of, of what life's supposed to be in civilized situations. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that, that's my triggers, you know, that's, that, that gets me off and I get quite angry if someone cuts me up and I lose it. I totally lose it. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, if they've got no lights on the back of the car, you've clearly not done your checks. Why ain't you got lights on your car? It's nighttime. It's, yeah. it's silly things like that. But, um, but I always think, is it to do with 
the childhood back then with my dad and stuff and the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because you, you've gone through a similar thing so I wanted to is there anything in your life where you get triggers due to perhaps from when you were younger yeah, and um, before I get into it I want to, want to acknowledge that you managed to create your own family and you became a dad and you are you know asking yourself every day how can I be a great dad and this is amazing this is such amazing and inspiring for everybody who is struggling to even get their first serious relationship you know and, and for me it took like 15 years to to shred all the layers to actually be able to live with somebody yeah. um so and and to imagine that i will be married one day or I'll, i will have my own kids yes now i can imagine it but it took me so many years to get to the place of self-confidence and uh, uh trust in relationships um at their core that it can be the place where i can feel like home and and having family but for yeah, example brilliant. five years ago i couldn't imagine even living with somebody so praise to you honestly amazing strength and resilience that you've shown there really you've got through all of that and now you you've got to a place where you're confident again within yourself and you're loving yourself again you show it you, you can see your worth in the world um so that's amazing and to see you smile as well that obviously that obviously shows i imagine it's been a long time since you've seen yourself smile like that as well so you've definitely worked through the union layers so to speak <laughs> yeah and now uh, i think like my biggest trigger always was love <laughs> uh, of course i had you know like authorities in my school and i was afraid of exams and and getting my driver's license and so on. But those yeah. were like regular fears and I could get through it. Um, sometimes I think the hardest part was this existential fear when I didn't get to any university. And it was back then in 2009 when there was a huge financial crisis and I couldn't even get a job for a few months. And I just felt completely lost and like I failed everybody. And I, I felt like a huge disappointment. Um, and it was, I think, the worst four months of my life before I got my first part-time job. And then I eventually got to the university for the second time. Um, and I had uh, the whole year to prepare. So <laughs> I made sure I will I will manage uh, the second time. But the existential fear, I didn't know what was going on. But it was this huge inner monster which was eating each of my thoughts. Like I would be waking up and I would feel completely helpless and like i am in such a dark place which i cannot show to anybody because it felt like everywhere i i looked it felt like just desperate feeling like desperate feeling everywhere i i could see it in people i met on the street uh, in people i met on bus i would be listening to my relatives how they keep on living with their lives because i wanted to feel like at least somebody lives at least somebody keeps on living but and I tried to relate to it, but I, I couldn't because this fear was eating my whole feeling system. Um, and I, it was the moment when I really decided to do something about it because I saw my sister and I was like, maybe this is something similar what was happening to her. And I don't want to go to hospital. I want to be healthy. I want to uh, you know manage it by myself. So I went through a lot of therapies. And one of them was special healing modality. It wasn't 
uh, like official therapy, but the therapist took me to my ch- my childhood, to the divorce of my parents, and to this existential dread I felt back then when uh, I saw our father leaving and my mom taking us to a different place, different home, and different city. And uh, I could feel that this was the root cause of my existential anxiety, and not especially the divorce, but my feelings, my beliefs about it. I, you know, as a three or four years old, you didn't, don't get much sense what what is actually going on, but you can tell yourself, okay, I failed. I am not safe. I I don't know what is going on. Maybe they will just abandon me completely. Maybe they don't love me anymore. And all those unprocessed emotions get stuck in your body, like recording. And if you don't clear this recording up, this can be the root cause of like many, many decades of suffering. If you don't go back and you don't clear it, you don't heal it, you don't hug your inner child, it can still be there. And it doesn't have to be anything that big as divorce, but um, it can be some of your little beliefs, uh, feelings, feelings of abandonment or something, which can cause this when you are adult. So I, I really encourage everybody, if you feel like this, to really consider some therapy which is um, taking you back to your childhood and um, enabling you to forgive and to go through your past and, and release all those stuck emotions because it's really, really helpful. No, it is. I, I, I preach that quite a lot. If you've, you've got to face your demons, you've got to go back and face your demons. We know it's hard. But it's the only way to to create sense. I mean, at three years old, your whole world's come down. You know, you're this little baby, like toddler. You think you've got mum and dad. You've got a happy little family. Then it just gets broken and taken away at that age. You you don't know what's going on. I mean, fortunate for me, I was six when it happened to me. I knew exactly what was going on because I could see the type of person my dad was, and we wasn't safe. We had to go. So my mum finally got us into a woman's refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, just women and kids basically and it took us away it got us out of that 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 dangerous environment um but at three years old that's, that's totally different you know it's totally yeah to leave i can't even speak on your behalf because i was living it at three four five and then we left at six but for it to break up at three when you're brand new to the family you're this new thing yeah. That must be odd, especially with a daddy. Just normally you get daddy's girls. Like I've got two daughters and I always say daddy's girls, come here. And I'll try and show them as much love as I can. Um, yeah, it's, it's, what was the reason for this? Do you, do you know what the reason was? Did you ever ask mum and dad what, what, what was the cause of this divorce? Was it um, anything cynical or, <laughs> or was it just um, like amicable, you know, we don't get on anymore? Let's just be friends, can't we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer, by the way. It's, 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 if it's personal, you can keep that to yourself. No, I think it's it's very uh, interest, interesting story. Um, my parents were together for maybe seven or eight years. And they married very young. My mom was 21 and my father was 24, maybe. And it was because my mom was pregnant with my sister um, it was also 1986 and 1984, yes, 1984, and it was era of communism in my country. Um, 
uh, the only way how young people could get mortgage and start their own living was to get married and have family. And then we had Velvet Revolution in 1990, and then I was born. Um, so many couples emerged from this era where you we couldn't travel. You know, we didn't have any uh, Western influence back then. Um, religion was prohibited <laughs> and everything. And, and the revolution happened only uh, like a few months before I was born. So um, I think my parents, if, if they were together now, they wouldn't be together for more than a month. But back then, uh, they didn't have many options than just to be together and start their family. Um, so they tried. But my dad, he uh, is musician and scientist, and he has this big brain. He has uh, he always had a lot of lovers. And my mom is a psychologist, and she grew up in in a really, really abusive en- environment. So uh, my dad was her first really big serious relationship and they tried but they <laughs> really weren't a good match <laughs> they they were in a com- on completely opposite sides or spectrum of a good match uh, <laughs> so if i would see it now it would just feel really funny but when i saw it with my fierce old eyes um i think the worst part was it that they didn't really think of telling me that uh, you know, it wasn't my fault that I also matter in all that. They were so focused on arguing and fighting and suffering and so on that nobody, as, as you do now today, when you have divorce, you tell kids, okay, guys, we love you. It's not about you. We are still your parents. You are still our kids. And, and this will be the order now. And, and you try to make it as safe as possible. But back then it was like, you are a whore, you are a terrible person, and I'm taking the kids and fuck you and so on. Um, and uh, I think when you are maybe five, six, or 12, and I, I talk to people regularly who have different uh, also experiences and different ages of their parents' divorce, the, when you have your sense of identity already somehow created, it's the good thing is that you have at least something to lean on a little bit, some idea of who I am in this. But yeah. when it happens to you when you are three and you are you are just building the identity and your identity is based on like the most important background is falling apart, then it's it's really hard to trust in yourself in a way that you are the person who has a right to have stable relationships or that the relationships are safe place or that the family is a safe place um, you can call home. So for me, I really had to uh, create new recordings of my nervous system. I literally had to consciously recreate my reactions to relationships because I had I had such a strong anxiety of being <laughs> in a relationship that I would just be afraid that everybody will die. If I'm in a relationship, I will die and my partner will die. Everybody will die. <laughs> it was <Sure>. like, <laughs> but we did it. I did it. And, and we, we broke up and I'm alive. And he's alive too, which is, which is good news. <laughs> oh, so you're not with him anymore. <laughs> Sorry. You're not with him anymore then? on your own at the moment or have you got someone uh no i am uh i'm two months single 
but the, the break I lived with my partner for two years and and we were dating for five years altogether. Um, but it was such a peaceful and, and a loving and a healthy breakup. It was I still consider it a miracle after all those years when breakup was my huge and my biggest enemy and the reason to die. The, the breakup with my ex partner was so peaceful and uh, gentle that I, you know, I, I'm still still grateful. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of gave you a new outlook on relationships as well so that might have done you the world of good as well that it was such a peaceful way of doing things it doesn't all have to be you know anarchy throwing things and fuck you (laughs) it doesn't have to be like that it can be like look you know and being so peaceful as well you never know what the future holds you know the stars might align again you know not better no bridges so it's all good um so what sort of age was you when you when you decided that there was an issue? What what sort of age was you when you started to realize? I know you said about your sister going into hospital. Um, yeah, so I think when my sister started to go to hospital, she was like eighteen or nineteen, and I was twelve. So I noticed that something was going on, and also sister of my dad uh, is bipolar. So I. I was growing up with this side note, like, okay, maybe this can happen to me too. But mm. it, I didn't feel like this was my... Um, the fear and the feeling of failure was so strong that I didn't even consider myself uh, you know, being bipolar or depressed or anxious. I just felt like I am in deep shit and I, I need to get out. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think I was 19. Uh, but then... I managed to get over the worst part. And what helped me the most was uh, doing regular things, like have some order in my life. Waking up in the same at the same time, going to sleep at the same time, eating healthy as much as possible, going to work for the same amount of hours. And it really helped me to get through the worst part of it. Um, also a lot of therapies. And then I fell in love when I was 20. 20 or 21 and I fell in love with married guy and it was a really interesting story because I thought he was my destiny and that we will be together forever and it felt so real you know and and he kept saying like yeah I will divorce next year and <laughs> so on uh, and it was actually the second wave when I really get got into therapy because I was like when I feel so strongly about this guy when I feel so strongly that we are soulmates, that that we are supposed to be together, yet the reality keeps showing me that he's not going to divorce and, and nothing's going to change and I keep suffering. What is going on? Um, so I went to therapy again. Yeah. And I discovered all those beliefs about myself and, and about my father, you know, like this all those convictions, like he's not here and, and he left. And my nervous system was actually wound it with um, daddy issues, if, if I can say this this way. So I was attracted to emotionally unavailable men. <laughs> um, and I needed to heal myself again. That's so weird, because I was going to say the exact thing that you just said there. I'd already summoned up what you was on about with, with, the, with the man, the married man. 
So that's quite powerful. There's so much to unpack. Honestly, you've, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you've, you, you've, you've cornered me here. Well, I, I wish it was a shorter story, but my whole life is about no, no, healing. It, it's... <laughs> The reason why it's caught me off guard is because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, like you're feeling like you're failing, you're feeling like this. It's me. It's got to be something to do with the way that we were brought up. Must be from watching what we saw. Because even at work, every day I'm always questioning. I'm always telling people, "Am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? Am I, am I doing?" Even this podcast, I, I'm like asking, "Am I doing okay? Is this the good thing to do or not?" So I'm always looking for that gratification. I'm always thinking, I'm oh, rubbish. I'm going to fail at everything. That's it. I'm crap. <laughs> I don't want to do anything anymore, you know. And for you to be saying it, it's such a, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air because it's like, well, I am normal because there's other people out there that are just like me. <laughs> and we will get through this. <laughs> and we will be fine. All we've got to do is just talk about it and uh, keep our chins up, so to speak. But, um, so what this this married man, right? <laughs> We see a lot of stories. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of movies out there about married men and stuff like this. And when they've got with someone, they always, you know, like I always picture like you, Grant. I will, I will leave my wife and get with you, and it never, it never happens. They're just literally using, using and abusing the the young female kind of thing because she's doting. So how did it? What was the movie? Well, no, I'm just thinking like off my head. I could literally yeah, write a movie to it. It just sounds like a movie. The, the whole thing yeah, sounds yeah. like a movie where you know it could even be like the holiday with yeah. Uh, I forget what's Jude Law and yeah. Jack Black. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great movie. Um, so did his wife ever find out? Did you ever tell his wife in Revenge? Like, just by you know, I've been sleeping with your husband. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, he was he was working in different city, uh, and he had this, you know, it, it was actually such a romantic story. <laughs> oh, actually, you guys. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you will get terrible ideas of what love is and is not. <laughs> yeah, just a disclaimer: that is not love. <laughs> this is not the way it's supposed to be, kids. No. <laughs> No, it's a, um, we'll call it a uh, a, a passionate moment of madness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not judging you, by the way. I'm, <laughs> I'm not here to judge you. I'm just, I'm just, it just, um, oh, it's turned the story like straight like, oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then your heart gets broken again, kind of thing, by this, this sleaze bag. <laughs> yeah. oh. Poor woman, <laughs> put your art on the line, and then that. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it is not a story I would recommend people to go through. <laughs> it's, it's just, the thing is, though, so many people do it. Yes, and yeah, there's a lot of women that are hurt by that. There's a lot of men out there that give false promises to women. Exactly, you know? and also not from just, and also it's the other way around, and. You have so, you get so many Facebook ads from like psychics and and emotional coaches and so on who will say I will help you bring your ex back or I will help you bring your soulmate back or you are actually in a twin flame relationship so if it doesn't work out for you it means that there is some not aligned star up there and I will help you with some crazy yeah. spell or something and it's so toxic when I, I 
it's very toxic people like that especially when you're a vulnerable person and you're in a vulnerable position and someone messages stuff like that you jump at it and next minute you know your bank account's been wiped out <laughs> exactly and you don't even you know uh don't even get your ex back <laughs> so at, at the first moment you can be like okay i don't have any money for mortgage now but at least i will get my ex back and you don't which is <laughs> the worst part of it what you gotta keep telling yourself is as well they're an ex for a reason <laughs> yeah that's true you know um, what i mean been there done that got the t-shirt yeah you've basic first time round. <laughs> i can't be asked for reruns <laughs> exactly <laughs> Especially when there's so much availability out there, you, you know, you might as well yeah. dip your toes or whatever and, and until you find that right one, the one that's right for you kind of thing. So, but yeah. So let's move on from that absolute <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> I was 20 and I, I started my own band and, and he was a drummer. I was a singer. Um, he would, he lived in a, he was working in a different city. So, uh, I and I fell in love on the first sight. It was like you know, it was very romantic, and I didn't tell him for six months. I was going on all those rehearsals and and shows, and oh, and my head was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I had so many things to admire on him, and then it just started. He was I think sixteen years older than me, so so we are really talking about daddy issues here, kids, you know, just don't don't, don't go there. And <laughs> um and the worst looking part, for a strong role model really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he I, was I get also- it. I, I do get it. I get it. Totally get it. It makes sense. And just by looking at you there, so the, the kind of band that you was in, am I thinking something about what's it, ten things I hate about you, Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah. Right at the end of the film, they've got, um, I forget what the song's called now. I've got it on my phone as well. The rock band. Well, you've been a rock band, basically. Yes. Something like this, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I like, I like pop punk, I think it's called. Uh-huh. The, the genre is pop punk. A bit like Teenage Dirtbag, that kind of thing. But, but yeah, yeah, my favourite band at the minute is 1975. If you've ever heard of them, check them yeah, out. Yeah, the, they had this cool, cool song. I think uh, how how is it called? No. And but they are singing on on a car, car, like, parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And he has this crazy costume on him, and it's yeah, it's great. great. So you did the band. So yeah, what would you get up to in that? What sort of era would you call that? Was that for right. you? Like yeah. So you've gone through what's gone up. What's happened as you're a baby. You're then yeah. growing up, you're then at 12 years old and you're realising you got these things. What sort, like, where was your mind at when you was in this band? What kind of, hmm. who was, did, did you know who you was then? Or was you still like, you know what, I'm going to be a rebel, I'm going to make lots of noise and scream and shout and get tattoos and that oh. kind of thing. So, or was it just a really fun time in your life? Oh. Because you said about university, so I didn't know if that was around the same sort of time. Yeah, I think it was actually it started to be happier moment of my life when I get, got to the university and I was really happy there, like the university and people there. It was also lovely. And I was so grateful that I got there for the second time that I was so eager to learn, you know, and it was amazing. And I, when uh, I started my own band, which was also amazing and the band wasn't very successful, but I, at least I was living something like my dream. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and yeah, it was it was cool, but I didn't understand why I was so unhappy with uh, in this relationship. I mean, I was desperately in love, and it was amazing. Like my head was somewhere in the stars, but also I was suffering a lot. Um, if I saw some crazy Facebook ad <laughs> selling me some spell for twenty dollars, I would buy it. Well, spell? What's going on? You guys, don't do it. Just don't. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> Moving back to the time when me and my cousin were kids, we used to get water with rose petals and put the rose petals in the water and sell it to the girls as perfume. Yeah, as well. Did it work? Well, we sold the perfume, yeah. yeah we made some money, so it worked. Although it just smelled like water. <laughs> so your but, first successful business. No, uh, yeah, with, with, with this face, all the girls would just come. Come on, come on. <laughs> we like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Good for oh, you. Amazing. It's, it's amazing that you can laugh. I love that. Oh. So you've, you've got that great sense of humor. Um, it's hard oh. for me to laugh with some guests. So sometimes they don't, with mental health, they think everything's got to be all down and dreary. Whereas me, I'm, I am ups, really ups, really highs, um, oh. and then really lows. But yeah. nine times out of 10, I try to make comedy out of bad situations. If you know what I mean, like I've got nicknames for people. <laughs> They've got nicknames for me. Um. Yeah, I just like to to make fun. So I like to see that that you yourself are having fun. Um, <laughs> what was it at university you went to study then? What's that? What's that? What was it you went to go and study? Yeah, it was called management of arts. It was on a university of economics, and <laughs> it was such a cool subject. Um, I think it was for all the people who who didn't manage to get to a music school. <laughs> to actual music school because I wanted to go to music school um, um, I wanted to be a professional uh, singer and songwriter so my original plan was to go there but I didn't get there and I tried for three times so I decided to go to University of Economics because it was the reasonable choice but mm. I, I loved it like people were great and it was in the international environment and I had to study really really hard and when I was in this unhappy uh, love, I went through a lot of therapies because I thought that once I really clear myself and I will change my reality from within, the guy will get divorced and we will be together, yeah. which didn't happen. But I healed a lot, <laughs> healed a lot of issues on that. Um, and my dream was still to become a um, professional singer-songwriter. So when I finished university, I went to United States for six months I was washing dogs in a dog grooming salon and then I found out that I will not become an international music star. So I came back and I got a job in IT. <laughs> but, um, wow, okay. I, I think it was the finally those six months in United States really like helped me to gr- grow to the point when I came back and I was really happy in my body, in my country and in just by myself. Because up until that moment, I was still thinking that something amazing, incredible will happen in the future, out there, in different world. And it will save me. It will take me out of my body and it, out of my misery. But then I think it was that time when I realized Nothing of it is going to happen, and I need to be really happy on my own and the way I am. And yes, that was the okay. time I was twenty-six. <laughs> Quick question for you: When you went to the states and you had this dream in mind, what was your mindset? 
be truthful. What was your actual mindset? Because you're telling me a lot of stuff like you feel like you're going to be failing a lot. So what was your mindset when you went out there? Well, I, it was my big dream. I had this big dream that once I get into United States, everything will be easy and, you know, I, I will somehow become famous. I don't know. It, it was it was 10 years ago. So did you believe in it? <laughs> no, no. The reason why I ask. Yeah. I was in America. I did music. I did singing and rapping. Yeah. And I did gigs. But I was in a very negative mindset. I see. I went to studios. I've been on radio. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what mindset did you have? Was you still having that mindset of, I'm not going to make it? Even though you, mm-hmm. you're telling me that you've believed it. Because you said something at the end there, that dream's never going to happen. Mm. Right, you're only five years younger than me. You're still a young person. Why can't you make it? Eminem was in his 30s when he became who he is. Yeah. So why does that dream have to stop? Is what (laughs) I'm trying to get at, basically. Because what I'm getting at is, looking at you today and now, and the way that you are coming across, I think you're right in the moment to actually record some stuff with all of that stuff that you've gone through as well. And there could be some real passion in that. And you'd be coming at it from a totally different angle, from that 26-year-old mind that had the love of your life, that's gone through all the fair repair, that you got screwed over by the married man. You can now write songs about that. And a lot of women will relate to everything that, that, that you're singing about with those stories. Don't give up on your dream. Yeah, I think there is still a possibility of becoming international rock star. You know, you never know. It, Sia was 38 when she when she uh, became famous with Chandelier. But, um, you say I, you're a writer. You can yeah. also sell your songs. You can write songs for people. Look at The weekend. He wrote loads of songs for Beyonce before The weekend was even out. He wrote Drake's first album, majority of it. Hmm. Well, my dream changed a little bit, but I can still be international. I don't know about Rockstar, but <laughs> I am... Never I'm... say never. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Never say never. Don't ever give up on your dreams because that's who you are. That's that's the little girl inside. That's, that's the little girl's dreams. And I don't yeah. think you should, you should ever stop that, whether you make it or not. I think you should at least still write. I still write every day. I gave up my dreams the minute I had kids. I thought, I said, I'm done. Oh, I can't be un- unemployed. I've got to put food on the table for these little babies, you know. <laughs> but I'm always singing in the car and in the truck. It's <laughs> amazing. So, so you drive cars for... Uh, trucks, big trucks. Yeah, the big, big, massive 44-ton trucks delivering food all around the country. Mm. <laughs> but you are quite slim for being a truck driver. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> don't know if this wasn't inappropriate. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, hopefully no one's offended by that. <laughs> but you are from London, right? So you you don't get no East Midlands. I'm in the Midlands. I've my family are from London. Okay, got family okay. in London, Jamaica, and America. And oh, my cool. my mother's Irish, so yeah, I'm a right yeah. Jamaican and Irish lad. Yeah, <laughs> so I, <laughs> a mixture. <I> <laughs> I think people from Great Britain are more likely to understand Czech sense of humor because we are very satiric. You know, we 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 sometimes come, can uh, come across as offensive, but it's never that way. We are more like making fun out of ourselves. Um, I, yeah, so. I love that. I mean, I, I, at first I was thinking because 
bit of a disclaimer before i come on i was actually watching world war ii on netflix at the moment there's a big documentary out and i kept thinking i might be scared of veronica she might come across like like uh, dolph lundgren's wife in uh, rocky <laughs> yeah, gonna beat me up, kind of thing. And I know it's stereotyping. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not that person. I don't judge people like that. But yeah, a little piece of me was like, she's gonna tell me. Oh, she's. Gonna, you know, I'm not even gonna do the accent right, even though I can do the accents. I'm really good at accents. But right. I'm from Russia. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? accent, but thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's the point. Where Where is Czech Republic? Is it? Where it's in is Central it? Europe, and we actually, you know, <laughs> we were we were invited, not not invited, invented. Um, Russia came here and stayed here for thirty years, so we don't like them. <laughs> oh right, okay, they're lodgers. <laughs> they're just lodging. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so, so so yeah, that 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 was that. But no, I, I do I really get your sense of humour. I yeah. like it like that. It's it for for me. That's uh, why I like to be with people. I like to. Don't be so serious. Sometimes you've you've got to be able to take like I, I keep saying this thing on here. Nobody can be offended. Like I can't give offence. I can't offend you. You can't offend me. And people are like, "Well, oh, people offend me." And it's like, no, you're only offended because you heard a little bit of truth come out, and that truth hurt you. Because sometimes lies are easier to hear than the truth because truth will hurt you because you know it's true. So that's a whole other thing. Well, uh, so in. The short answer to the question is that my mindset when I was going to the United States, <laughs> yeah. uh, my mindset was I just need to need to get out of here because I, I didn't feel good in my country back then. I, I thought it was about the country. It was about me, obviously, yeah. but I just thought that going to the United States will help me uh, improve my life. Um, I thought that I will meet there some special person or special recording label or something. And I, I really did meet a lot of amazing people, a lot of amazing dogs, because I was in a grooming salon. Uh, and people there were really supportive. But uh, I got to the place when I realized that as well as there and, and here, I would need contacts and money and you know a little bit of luck to really make it. Um, here I needed much less money to make it, so <laughs> I went back here and I started my band again, and I got su- successful. But then I changed my um, trajectory. Uh, in the end, yeah. Whereabouts in America did you go? Where, whereabouts was it? It was Providence, uh, close to Rhode, uh, Rhode Island, four hours away from New York. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you ever go down to California? No, but I want to go there sometime. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be good. You could just be on the streets. I mean, even over here in London, you can always play, play your music. We've got Nirvana UK at the moment. We They're doing a little bit of a tour with a new rock band called Kaleida. Um, I went to see them the other week. They're amazing. Okay. Um, check them out. See what you like. See if you like them. Um, so, right, so you've done that. you now got your head into IT. You're back home and you're doing this IT job. Again, I love IT, by the way. I did it. I did IT at college. I love IT. <laughs> Not very good at it anymore. I couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm going way back, building IDE drives and SCSI cards and building websites using HTML. 
you know, Absolutely. I don't know any, I'm not very good at this coding else. <laughs> also I'll be able to market this a little bit better and <laughs> I'm not very good with the internet thing. Um, but no, so you've got into, into IT yeah. and what happens there? What, what's, what kind of thing are you doing? It. <laughs> She's got to get a lot. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I, I was art manager and, uh, they needed somebody to manage UX team. Um, I, I couldn't code. I didn't understand IT uh, at all, but they needed somebody who could manage creative people and their projects. And because I had band and I, I had experience in, uh, managing, um, festivals music festivals yeah they gave me the job also last week uh on uh in rhode island i had mushrooms magic mushrooms for the first and the last time in my life wait honestly right listen listeners right i don't know the background of this story right uh, and this is the reason why because i, I like to get just as uh amazed as you can <laughs> veronica you've been on mushrooms <laughs> Yeah, and again, if you are a sensitive person, don't do it. Go on, go, go, right, right, listen, right, you've got to give me a rundown of this, because I've only ever heard of Joe Rogan and Eminem speak about this kind of thing, so what's your take on it? What 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 happens? Like, give, give me a, the realist expression that you can give me, like, you see, what happens? Well, and uh, after six months in the United States, I was really confused what was actually my head about. Because I was like, okay, my big dream was to go to the United States. And suddenly I, I'm realizing that the, the dream is just dissolving. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? I, I, I loved married guy. I didn't get him because it was illusion. It was my wounded self wanting, wanting him, you know. Then I got to United States and I, I felt again, oh my God, I, it was a, an illusion. And my dream is falling apart. What is going on? And I, I got to a Saturday Night Live. A friend of mine got me there. It was an amazing evening. And he was like, I have a great idea. Famous I, words. Famous words. Exactly. <laughs> what to do when you are last week in the United States and you have uh, you go through a process of losing your illusions and everything is falling apart. The best idea is to get magic mushrooms. So. Uh, I didn't, yeah. I was so naive. I didn't check what what mushrooms are actually doing to human body and, and psyche. Um, and he was like, okay, so you, your weight is th- that much kilos. So maybe take four and that will be fine. <laughs> My friend is taking four mushrooms every day and she's enjoying it. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And uh, I, I took two and nothing was happening. So I was like, okay, this, this is not doing anything. So I took it all. And then it started and it was, it was like so, so bad. It felt, um, in short, uh, it felt like all your uh, thoughts and um, motives, motivations and your memories, everything just went uh, on one screen. As a window, as a windows, you know, like when, <laughs> I don't yep. know if you have Mac or yeah, like PC windows, yeah, PC you windows, got all there. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the the linear time just fell apart. I didn't feel there was any time happening in the world. I I felt like okay, um, when you see pictures or or when you are thinking thoughts, you you are 
dialed in but at that moment I felt like my mind went a little bit behind that and I could see my thoughts and memories and motivations being there as a recording or as a software I could see it from up there and it wasn't happy feeling it felt like I've been lied to my whole life and my <laughs> like I, uh, I am uh, you know I am embodying this human machine which is doing something like it it has it impulses it's working because it's programmed to work but nothing of it is actually real it felt like when you are playing a game uh on your computer and suddenly your your person is stuck in a in the middle of some broken environment and yeah, you can glitching out <laughs> yeah glitching, and you can see or like when you dream of a fight and you can't fight in your dream your hands don't work yeah <laughs> yeah that's mad wow i never would have put you down right listeners don't do drugs okay (laughs) don't do drugs (laughs) exactly mushrooms are just mushrooms oh you can eat them on your dinners can't you mushrooms i suppose but just not the soul plane types that uh red man and snoop dog and veronica takes (laughs) the magic type (laughs) wow you can do wrong pick in your forest when you go mushroom picking you can experience it as well but yeah they do another thing as well don't they what is it licking toads you can lick the toads yeah there's like a toad you lick its back (laughs) it gives you an hallucinogenic yeah that's one thing i've never done i've never touched drugs i started smoking at 23 that was about it but then Mm. i quit that two years ago to start vaping just to get me off it but yeah awesome and i never drank alcohol i i never did smoke or something right it was just mushrooms once in my life but that was it (laughs) I was like, okay, I had one real drug, uh, almost. And well, you're living in the moment. Yeah. You know, you're on a show Saturday Night Live. Was it James Corden on there at the time when you went? Or uh, it was James Cena, uh, John Cena. Um, oh, right, okay. Like this big guy, he was playing a lot of characters, and I was amazed how perfectly well organized the show was. But the important thing after Mushrooms was this that my reality sense of reality really got distorted. So when they invited me to to interview to IT, which uh, I didn't have any experience for, I was like, whatever, nothing is real in this life, so I might as well win this interview. And I did. I still do not recommend taking mushrooms before going to interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel it really helped me to feel like less stressed yeah. for some reason. But for first week after taking mushrooms i i really was fighting a lot lot of demons so i i do not do not recommend um and yeah so i was in it and my team grew up from 19 people to 60 over five years but it was i think the best job i ever had it was uh the company was great it's now completely different company so they they were bought by some other company (laughs) Um, it was soft, software company, so they were yeah. very rich. When I was there, we had, we were allowed to take dogs, uh, and we had canteen, and it was amazing. Like I, I, it was like going to paradise every day. So I felt that this was my award from universe from going through all the shit yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, no, no, totally, totally get that. Yeah. So what happened then? So, so the company's gone. Uh, you've had your mushroom gone. days, so you, so you've had you've had the parents, you've had the married man, yeah, you've had yeah. the magic mushrooms on a show. 
that you say looks very organized, but being on mushrooms may have been the most disorganized thing in the world. And Barney the purple dinosaur might have been walking on, <laughs> waving at you. <laughs> I, I don't know if I was actually at the show or somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you find out later on, your mate's like, Mate, I don't know what you're doing, but you were behind that alley with your shirt up going, yeah, we had to quickly grab you and get you in. Please come. Um, and then obviously you've, you've got your job. So you've done your arts, you've done your bands. Um, so where does it go after that? Straight after the IT, you've had, you've had your good stuff. Your dog grooming as well. Exactly. I. So then COVID happened and lockdowns happened. And suddenly... It was, I don't know, it was the year, maybe 2019. And everything was closed. Like the shows were closed. Festivals were closed. Everybody went into bankruptcy. Um, my company closed the offices. And I found myself in my little flat with my with my little dog. And I kept asking, okay, what is the meaning of my life? What am I doing here? Because all those outside its distractions just weren't there. Yeah. Um, so this is where I started feeling that I should connect people with their soul. And, you know, after all those healing modalities I went through and all, all those experiences, I was like, okay, universe, thank you very much, but I'm not buying that. <laughs> yeah. I, I am not leaving IT for some stupid dream again. Thank you very much. Uh, Leave the but... mushrooms over there today. <laughs> Need some relapse or something. Flashback. <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking when you say getting people to soul search, does it involve a bag of mushrooms? <laughs> Take one of them. Um, and I'm happy that I didn't do the frog because I, I saw people who did the frog and <laughs> consequences are actually... never know, it might turn into Prince Charming. Yeah. You know? You never know. You never know. <laughs> like with the magic spells on Facebook, you know? <laughs> exactly. It needs to work. Yeah. You've got an inbox. What is it? Would you like to win a new man? Oh, hello. <laughs> One second, Veronica. I've just got to pay loads of money. What? <laughs> it's the frog. It's the frog. Yeah. Got all purple prickles all over his back. <laughs> like the gruffalo. <laughs> right, we're going off. We're going off track. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Sorry, I find you so funny. It's it's amazing to see somebody who's comical. I love it. I love it. Uh, because I saw some really amazing comics. It will be the last turn in our talk, but comics, uh, when, when two guys read a book on that, when when you lick the frog, <laughs> yeah, you should use really firm sw swirls with your tongue. And they're like, oh my God, it's disgusting. Who, who <laughs> the hell wrote it? And on the other picture, there is a frog like writing. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> this is what you should do. <laughs> Amazing comics. I think it should be promo promotion material for today's podcast episode. Yeah, I, I love comics. We've just been to see Ricky Gervais, actually. We've just literally just seen him at the O2 at Wembley, uh, Ovo Arena. Mm. Yeah. I love comedy. We do. We just love it. And you bring that, that enlightenment as well. So it's what I do. Like I say, you've gone through misery or whatever. You can have a laugh or cry. And it's better to, better to so, try and laugh. Yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so thank you. So so yeah, so I yeah, I started sorry, receiving all those messages, um, intuitive messages like, Hey Veronica, you should connect people with their soul. And at first I didn't pay attention because like whatever. But then 
it kept coming back and it didn't feel like crazy feeling it felt actually very peaceful and and gentle and it it felt more like guidance it felt more like meditation or something and yep. I had many friends from healing modalities who were willing to try with me um, what I had to offer. <laughs> so I sit down with a few of them and I was like, okay, God, if there is something I should do now, just let me know. And nothing happened. So <laughs> for several, I think for three or four sessions, nothing really happened. I didn't see or hear anything. I was just sitting there with my favorite people and I was asking myself what am I doing here but after that something started to change and I started receiving pictures and few images now and then or a few words now and then and it felt always really peaceful and calm and joyful and um, expanding for my heart and at first time I was like okay I can see pink clouds what do you think about that? And my friend was like, yeah, I was there, I think two weeks ago, I, I was there on some trip with my friends and I could see pink clouds and it was such a happy moment. Um, so this is how I found out that if I listen to this beautiful, loving, peaceful energy, I can receive more and more guidance. Um, I started practicing. I did a lot of, lot of sessions for free, um, just getting a lot of my friends, trying to tune into this loving feeling and uh, I always asked for the highest truth and highest love for this person. And I started receiving messages about past lives and family lines and everything. And I think that because I went through so much depression and suffering and I had to go through my system so many times in my life, it was really easy for me to receive all those things about other people. I, I could really tune into what was going on in their field and um and yeah after that i made it my business <laughs> i was like whatever okay uh it's it still let me um and I, I think it took me two to three years to actually make it a living um at first i didn't think it would be my living one day but more and more people were interested and i uh, recorded some online courses my first um, online courses failed. Nobody bought them. I lost lots of money, all my savings, <laughs> all the mm. money I had saved on my mortgage. I, I lost on my first marketing campaign, which wasn't successful. Um, but after all that, I, you know, I was so used to not being successful for the first time that I was like, I will just do it second time. I, I don't mind, and I did. And and the second online course was successful enough that I could leave my IT job and I started to be full-time soul reader, which is now happening for a year and a half. Um, this is actually what brought me here today. Such, such an amazing story, right from start to finish. It's absolutely beautiful story. And to end it like that as well, with, with you being now teaching other people as well to, to soul read. and to get, So say if I was to, to ask you, how do I learn how to soul read? Any listener out there, what would we do? How would we do it? How would we connect with that soul reading? You know, because that, that sounds like it could be something that could help all of us, not just people with depression and anxieties or PTSD. I think it can help everyday yeah. people, you know, people who just live in normal days, you have a couple of bad days. And I just think it's quite a powerful thing from what you've, you know, from what you've said. And the person that you are, the character is what sells it for me. 
because you've got such a warm heart, if you know what I mean, a loving soul. So, Thank you. Um, so I think it depends on how you perceive the world, because I don't believe there is one universal rule or one universal truth which would be helpful for everyone, because each of us has unique point of view and unique experience. And some of you might resonate more with the concept of the soul and, and loving, truthful energy within your heart, which is really beautiful. And usually people who are more tuned to their feelings can resonate with this idea that there is energy of highest truth and highest love in your heart. And when you tune to it, you can be guided by it. And how you recognize the voice of your soul from the voice of your head is that it always gives you loving messages it can be tough tough love like you should leave the abusive relationship for example but mm. it's it's always loving and it makes you feel more empowered more liberated more yourself than before even though it's not comfortable mm. um and some of you might resonate more with the idea that soul is the experiencing part of our brain um, our brain has many functions, as we learned today, <laughs> but <laughs> one of them is this categorizing thinking part, which is our ego, our software, which runs everything. But the other part is experiencing. And this experiencing part, this creative part has no words. It cannot be uh, perceived with words. You cannot really tune there with words. You can describe, like, I feel God, I feel so I feel happy or I feel sad, but you cannot really go there with the thinking mind to the experiencing mind to do something. Um, so there is actually an amazing book, which is called No Self, No Problem. <laughs> and it's talking about ex um, experiments where people had a damaged brain or they were after surgery or something. And for some little time, those two parts of their brain uh, lost connection and they experienced complete bliss and happiness because their software, which would normally tell them, you suck, you are a failure, you are the worst thing which happened in this life, yeah. it couldn't reach the controlling mode. <laughs> so they were just in, in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So for a short moment, short period, they were experiencing bliss. And I found out that this is not just me, but also some experts out there found out that this is exactly what the majority of meditations and Zen Buddhist meditations try to do. They want to uh, consciously switch off the disconnection between your judging mind and your experiencing mind. So you feel the bliss without judgment. Um, so you can actually tune into this state of connection with your soul or with yourself or your intuition or however you call it, just by focusing on calm part of you, if you might say. You, you find yeah. calm piece of you anywhere in your body <laughs> and you focus on it and you just try to let go of everything else which is going there and the calm will eventually increase. And eventually you can become it and you can be guided by it. Yeah, that's what I'm working towards. So I, I started meditating to try and clear because I've got a very noisy head. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm, truth be told, I don't like people very much. Um, 
it's weird because I get on with everybody that I meet, but people in general are just like, how do I put it? Like I was saying earlier, when they're driving around in the cars or they're in a shopping mall, they've got to be first in line. They've got to be first. I've got to have that last. It's that, that really, it just, for me, it's just narcissism and I don't like it. It's like, do you not care for anybody else around you? But when I speak to people like you or my or people in the street, I have a really good chat. But in general, yeah, I find it very difficult with some people. I find it just like, sometimes I, I wish I was the only bloke on the world <laughs> to send me to Mars. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to create in my own head by the car. I can just be at peace without having to worry about things, you know. I mean, we've got this problem at the moment where all the street lights are really dim. Mm-hmm. And at night time, every single person goes out of their way to go for a walk in all black. In the middle of uh, the night. street. So. I, nearly, I nearly knocked two people over on bikes, cycles, mm-hmm. driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Two lads pull straight out on the bicycles. No lights, no high vis, just all black, black mask. And I nearly hit them. So I stopped and bibbed to say, what the fuck are you doing? And then just look at you. Like, yeah, you know, like you're in the. I was like, "What the fuck are you looking at, mate? What are you doing?" That stuff like that. It just grinds like, and it angers me. And, and I've just had CBT for all of that because I was, I was, I just couldn't control my stress. It's so bad. Um, but all I can do is practice every day. Yeah, practice as much as I can, and I've started to blow kisses to people if they upset me. <laughs> seriously yeah deepest yeah. aggression yeah well i had it the other day where some some lady decided to give me the old toss sign out the yeah. window like love you oh, she must, she must have been so it, happy. well yeah well i'm on the motorway yeah. and she was coming down to join on the slip lane but on the slip lane there's white lines which means give way because i'm already on the motorway and because I couldn't move over because I'm in a truck and I had vehicles on the other side, I had to stay in that lane. So she had to stop. And because she had to stop, she then got behind me on the motorway, side of me, looked up at the window. Wanker. What? It's a giveaway sign. You're supposed to stop. Why am I the wanker? You're the wanker. You know, I just blew a kiss instead of saying it to her because I just thought I ain't got. I, honestly, I ain't got the energy for your brain. If your brain doesn't work, then there's clearly an issue with yourself, not with me. The, the problems with you. You know, go home and have a word. <laughs> I'm, I'm just doing my job. I'm abiding by the laws, and it's stuff like that. If you know what I mean. So, so yeah, that soulfulness. I think that's what I need to do. I need to learn. Like I said, I've meditated quite a while now. You know. I started in about April when I started this podcast. It's like April. Mm, um, cool. Being honest with myself, do I meditate every day? No, I wish I did. But sometimes you almost feel like you don't need to. Oh, I feel good today. Yeah. And it's that, and I think you should still practice every day. I think I, th- I think I should still practice every day. I mean, with you, do you do soulfulness every day? Or um, I I do actually, but it's because I think after the breakup. Um, it, it's easier to get lost in sad feelings, you know, even if the breakup was uh, peaceful and the, just your nervous system is trained to feel bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, uh, yeah, I meditate every day, uh, but also 
that there's there are a lot of layers um even if you try to heal many times and many things in your life you can every time you experience something new or stressful or some new situation it can happen that is some of other old stuff can come up um and i believe <laughs> i am really really calm and uh, and peaceful majority of the day unless i'm driving to the city center <laughs> Then I become really choleric person. And... <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do, don't we? We all get that little bit of side of us, you know. But you are such a calm person. It's lovely to see. Um, do you still see mum and dad? Are, you st- are there still a part of you and your sister and stuff like that? you still got that strong connection around family. I'm just thinking, because of your breakup that you just had, have you got that support around you just to be there for you while you heal? Yeah, yeah, and luckily, I think that the soul reading journey actually improved the relationship with both of my parents and my grandparents and everybody because I, I really had to open my heart to all this kind of information uh, about people, and um, it really made me much more loving and much more empathetic person. So right now, when I see my mom, it's it's just bliss. Even if we talk about hard stuff and, and our patterns, we, we know that we share some patterns in our family line and now we laugh about it, which is a blessing because we grew yeah. up in all this drama and, and stuff. So now it's it's much, much better. And I see them quite often um, during Christmas. It will be again. So in that area, I'm, I'm really, really blessed. Um, and actually there... I think what is interesting now during this Christmas, I really had chance to encounter my dark mind again because I I really don't have anything to be sad about or be mad about. There is no real problem which I can I could blame apart from the breakup, which was peaceful. <laughs> but yeah. um I have I have enough money, I have roof over my head, I have my little dog. But I think part of my brain just feels so confused, like what the fuck just happened? I thought that I healed so much stuff and I, I did all these kind of things why I had to go through breakup. Um, yeah. And it's not the same part of the brain, which feels like this was the healthiest way we both could do it. We weren't happy anymore. We uh, are much, much happier now as when we are separated but those two <laughs> brains sometimes do not cooperate. So when I wake up and I am in my dark room in the morning, my first thought could be, this is such a shitty day and I, I feel so, so sad or I feel so bad and I am entrepreneur and I need to motivate myself somehow to, to get out of bed and, and do stuff and earn money or something. Yeah. Um, and this second part is like, Veronica? you should meditate or you should go to go take your dog for a walk or you should get to get a cold shower as a Wim Hof, you know, <laughs> and something. So I have to consciously reparent myself because this depressed part of you can still be there somewhere. It can be really little and it can be dormant for a long period of time. But yeah. when you get stressed and overwhelmed with something new, it can again strike and and try if there is still place for her yeah so. it is it's lurking it's still in the still in the back isn't it it's still just creeping just ready to peer out and say right with its ugly head because mine was locked in till 2017 
I, I was a hab. Honestly, I was so. I'm starting to get that back. I'm starting to be me again. A lot of people used to say, "Oh, you, you know, you're the party. You're the life of the party, Jermaine. You're so fun. You're so crazy and wappy and whatever." But then I started to go like, grunting at people. Like some people would say to me, "I don't know whether I can approach you today, Jermaine, or not. You're looking a bit pissed off, kind of thing." I'm just like, oh, "Man, I ain't got time for you. Move." kind of thing i went for a really nasty sort of stage where i just couldn't be asked because i don't know but i'm out of that now so i'm i'm starting to feel happy again starting to be saying yes more being a bit more open a bit more open but um yeah when that depression kicks in it it happens it, it can happen any day of the week but you're just like eh. i'll put mm. some music on that's that's my little thing i like music like to listen to good music but yeah especially with loss of of a loved one like a partner when that breaks up it's hard i've had my first love i had a breakup yeah it hurt massively my pillow was wet through on tears <laughs> you know yeah it cut deep the first cuts are deepest you know so it, it is hard because we're human beings and we connect better with mm. somebody with us but the biggest question on my mind is I wanted to know, is your doggy available to have a look so I can see your dog? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a little doggy. <laughs> We've got a little spaniel. Oh, boy. She's always listening. Not right now, she's sleeping. She's playing oh. with your, your dad. <laughs> oh, is it Chihuahua? It's, it's Chihuahua combination with Labrador and something else from the party in a dog shelter. <laughs> oh. Bless. Ankle biters. <laughs> take, take your feet off. Oh, bless. She's, Super cool. Yeah, thank you. She, she's very therapeutic. She's always like this, like calm um, all day, every day, and, and just looking sad and waiting for some ham. I know, they're always looking sad. The minute you open that fridge up, like you have to pay the cheese tax, they're just there, like, Dad, cheese, go away. <laughs> Yeah, our dog, our dog's wappy. Our dog, we've got a spaniel with big fluffy oh, yeah. ears. Yeah, she's on my last video, actually. It came out today, my video. Me and her are doing a mindfulness walk along the okay. canal. Um, okay. Yeah, so I thought I'd get her involved in one of the videos. But I have got some questions to ask. Quick fire round, if you like. Okay. Quick fire round. I, I think my... so far we've stayed on track, really. Um with the new sort of format, but it's you, 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 you've been one of the most memorable people that I've had on here because of how happy you are. So I will say it now and I will say it again after. If you ever do want to come back on to let me know how you're getting on with your, with your business and stuff, please do. Of course. I, I, will, I will still have my business after this. Christmas. Well, I hope you do. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're going to get a lot of people that take mushrooms that are going to join you now. <laughs> They're all going to be there, psychedelics. <laughs> so you're going to be fine. Plus, I you're know. open and honest, and that's what people want. There's no, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will lie to your face, and then they expect people to be integral to them. For me, I only give people one chance. I know that's quite bad. But from the life I've had, it's like, mate, you only get one chance for me. If you lie to me, steal from me, cheat on me, whatever, then I don't even know who you are anymore. But <laughs> I think it's a little bit different in uh, London and maybe in United States or, or the way I, I saw it um, here in, in my country. It takes really long until you really open up to somebody, but then yeah. it's forever. 
But in in United States, everybody was so happy to see me and so cheerful. But once they got mad, it was like, get the fuck out of my house. And I <laughs> couldn't really operate with it. I, I didn't know what to do with the with the cheerfulness. And then I didn't know what to do with them being that mad. So <laughs> I think it's sometimes... So I'm being put off. Can you hear my dog in the background? Yes. She She has a lovely voice. She's so noisy. I think there's a delivery, but... Right. Anyway, quick fire questions. What's the one piece of advice you wish you had received when you started your career soul searching? Just do it. Right, question number two. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? It can only be one person as well. I don't want you to have like a room full of these people. Just the one. <laughs> like real person or uh yeah real live or dead well, it could be a disney character i suppose <laughs> but just one person that you would really like to, to really get it, to have a chat with yeah i think it would be buddha buddha he sounded like a cool guy okay okay and what, what sort of questions would you be asking mm, like what did if uh, if life of a of a rich person was really that boring and overwhelming that he really decided to go out of the palace and struggle or if it's just a fairy tale what's a book or movie that has had a significant impact on your life i think the book would be us kids from the station zoo i don't know how is it called in English, it's the same name, but it's a book about um, 13 years old girl who started doing drugs. Um, she wouldn't stop and she kept doing them until she was adult. So I think it had a huge impact on me because I read it when I was 12 and I was like, okay, I'm never doing drugs. Um, oh, wow, great book then, really, for kids, yeah, to stop them from doing stuff, yeah. yeah. Number four for you, a little fool. Share a failure or setback that ultimately led to a valuable lesson for you. Obviously, we can use the married money if you want. <laughs> All the mushrooms. <laughs> I don't know which of which one of them would be the significant one. But yes, I, I guess um, the married guy was a good example because it wasn't just failure, like you don't get to university. It was... The illusion behind it, like my my hope that it would be the the one, and it was just my wounded self trying to be loved. So that yeah. was the value I got from it. It's a great great lesson to learn as well, isn't it? To carry you through. And now you know. Hmm. Um, I love this one, and the reason why I've asked this is because I've got a super. Well, I'll say I'll say what it is. I nearly let it out back then, but it's something that I've always thought of since I was a kid. So. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be and how would you use it to make the world better? I think it would be like complete awakening. You know, like the people who who say they really recognize the nature of their mind and they yeah. don't take seriously any of their own thoughts or any of their own emotions and they still love them. That would be amazing. Like superpower of seeing through every each of my emotion and, and thought and idea and just feel calm all the time 
It's a bit better than my one. My superhero ain't, my superpower ain't as good as that. <laughs> what, what is your super, superpower? I just want to freeze time. I just want to have a little stopwatch like, to stop. And then I can quickly go around and do my groceries or whatever and then just play it again. <laughs> I can yeah. do my job in like a second. I can also do some really, really bad things <laughs> a second. I've, I don't know why I've always had this for. I'm going through a mall, pressing stop. And just stripping everybody off naked and pressing start. I look, oh my god, what are you not doing? <laughs> and I'm still fully dressed. <laughs> I just think it'd be amazing. Interesting idea you have. <laughs> eh? It's an interesting thing to do when you can stop time. Yeah, like stop time. You know, it'd be just amazing. Just to, like if someone really upsets you, someone really upsets you, say right in the street, they've really upset you, stop time. Press time. Oh. <laughs> or kick him in the gonads. Bang. Just, whoa. I just think it'd be amazing. The thing is, I'll just abuse it. I would literally abuse that superpower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no. revenge is so sweet with that. Oh, I'd love it. Oh. Or you could eat everything in a cake shop. Or... You could. Yeah, you could. And it would only take, a, well, obviously we'll be there for like four or five hours just. But for them, it's just a blink of an eye. That, that like that One minute all the food's there and blink again. It's all gone. Like, where's that gone? I'm like, oh. Well, just exactly. here, bro. <laughs> I'm just here. It was just one. I put my mouth with cream. Yeah, all cream around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Literally feels like that. If everything you eat and it's sweet, it feels like one second of your life, and then you get gain twenty kilos, twenty pounds in your case. <laughs> yes, yeah. Honestly, I mean, I've I used to be stick thin. Um, I'm like fifteen stone now, which is what 192 kilos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because I'm tall, yeah, and I'm it's still... a lot of brain. You know, it's it's heavy thoughts. <laughs> a what? A lot of brain. From living in Britain, yeah, it's always bloody rain in here. Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, it's it's a lot of brain. Like when, oh, when brain. Have, yeah, heavy <laughs> thoughts. When you have a lot of heavy thoughts, then you have a lot of pounds. Oh, my, honestly, I'm the biggest overthinker. Like yes. someone, every, everybody points it out to me. They even wrote this list of overthinking, and everything is me. And I'm just like, yeah, I think literally, I worry about everything. I need, um, I, I need to be told that I've done something right. I need, mm-hmm. I, I'm always. The way I can describe me is like a little puppy dog. I need constant love and attention. Because <laughs> I never had it as a kid from my dad. It's always like, that's my thing. I need love to feel like I'm needed. Yeah. So yeah, it's like a little like, like a little puppy dog, basically. That's, yeah. that's who I am. Who's Jermaine? Little puppy dog. <laughs> but if you surround yourself with dog people, then you are fine. Is that? Yeah, well, this is it. This is why I've got a dog. <laughs> She's always there. <laughs> Constantly trying to lick your face, but I don't like dogs licking my lips. It's like, no, no, oh. it's too. You lick my hands, <laughs> kiss my forehead. <laughs> but no, I like to rub the bellies. That's my favorite thing to do rub the bellies and go for walks. So, yeah. anyway, that was the I last I, Yeah. I told you time flies, didn't I? Oh, the, okay. Yeah, I thought, okay, okay. Yeah, see, when you ask me, oh, Jermaine, why is this two hours? It's already nearly an hour and 40 already, look. Now do you see it flies? <laughs> Even I've looked like, wow, okay. Um, so, yeah, is there anything you want to want to shout out? Mm. Anything you want to promote? Oh, promote. Um, yes, I'm actually writing uh, 
light language songs and it's uh it, <laughs> there are songs in a in a language we nobody knows but i it's called light language it's a like frequency of pure love yeah. um i think i will be releasing next one in in january so i don't want to promote my soul reading sessions because i don't want to work really <laughs> i just want to be famous it will no. hey, it can happen it can happen just don't give up on the dream just don't give up on the dream. It's as simple as that. Yeah. As long as you succeed inside your own, that's all that matters. You know? And the important thing is that my biggest love about soul reading is that people, when they are connected to their soul, they feel seen and loved. And light language can do this to you in in very short period because you don't understand the words. You just hear the music and, and you feel like something is happening in your heart and it's beautiful. And I don't have to do anything. I just can record it and put it on YouTube and I, I'm fine. So <laughs> if you are, uh, if your listeners are curious about some interesting music with words they don't understand, then when you put in YouTube light language song Veronica, you will find it. It's beautiful. Light language song Veronica, yeah. I think, I think being a songwriter yourself, okay, yeah. and doing soul reading, why don't you... Get in touch with publishers and write a book. Start writing your own book. Release a book. Put it on Amazon. Ready for next Christmas. You don't want to work, but I'm going to make you work. <laughs> you want to become somebody. Put your talents where they need to be. You're good at writing. You're good at making the music. Audible. Mm-hmm. You can literally record your own books. Start yeah. a new podcast. Soul reading podcast. It's a reading podcast, yeah, yeah. I I would love I I love chatting to people. It's just that all my clients are Czech, uh, the audience, and <laughs> doesn't matter. It would be very very famous. Uh, but I would have to create. A but if you do it in English, you can yeah. hit a wider audience. You could put it in French, Spanish, Italian, German. You can do the. They've got translations built in. Oh, that's true. Okay, give it a thought. Honestly, honestly, give it a thought because you've got the right talent. You seem very much like me. You're very motivated to be doing something to to leave a legacy behind. It seems like you're you're creative. Mm. That's like me. I don't stop. I just want to keep 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 doing. And I think you've got the tool set. I really do. I think you've got that skill set. You can write. You can do music. Combine it all together. Create mm. something that's your own. That's original. With your name on it. Okay, let's. I will do it. <laughs> Let's let's see each other in a year and and say how how much more famous we are with our purest yeah. creation, like heart yeah. creation. Honestly, go for it. <laughs> Get it written down, even if you do it in series. Your first one, you know, your your first episode could be a um, what do you call it? For people that want to know about something, my English yeah. is so rubbish at the minute. <laughs> my head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Introduction. How odd is that? Yeah, introduction. Yeah. Introduction into soul reading. That could be yeah. your first one. And if you do it like, um, I forget what they're calling it. It's like, that thing. You know what people listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. The senses thing, the sensory yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Where you do it really quietly and they can hear your lips and they can hear your pen or your keyboard. People yeah. love that. Okay. People love that because it's calming. It's exactly what it says on the tin. I'm telling you to be calm by being calm. Uh, exactly. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so you lead with example. Right. You have literally got your work cut out for you now because I'm going to be watching you 
and I'm going to make sure that it's doing it. Honestly, right, that's your thing. You think, but maybe it will also motivate you, you know, when you will have to make somebody meditate and then do work, then you will also have to meditate and do the work. So, Oh, yeah, I've, I've told people meditate whilst driving. Just don't do that because <laughs> it's not very good. You might crash because you fell asleep behind the wheel. <laughs> That's true. It is true. But Even it's though I listen. Sometimes you don't notice when somebody pisses you off, you know, when you when you drive and you are half meditating, then you are like, oh, yeah, cut me through. It's OK. <laughs> yeah. But don't do it. Yeah, don't 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 meditate. Do not drive and meditate. It's dangerous. It's it's more dangerous than taking magic mushrooms at Saturday Night Live. <laughs> fair play to you, though. I tell you, fair play. Okay. Right. You've Thank got your you. own work. You know what you got to do. I know you don't want to work, but it's hard work and talent that will break through. And I think you've got both. Thank you. All right, yeah. so I want an update in six months of where you're at. I want, I literally do want you to um, email me, get in touch with me in six months. I'm not saying that you've got to have it finished by six months, but I at least mm-hmm. want to know, I at least want you to say, Jermaine, I've got the name. I've got free recorded little 10 minutes of recordings that are ready to go. I, yeah, I wanted to do this during Christmas break, like three English well, videos. Enjoy your Christmas. Yeah. Enjoy your Christmas. Okay. Have a break. You've just gone through all of that with your ex-partner. Have a break now. Chill. I I will try. Yeah. <laughs> just sit back. Oh, no, you don't drink beer, do you? I was going to say have a couple of porn star martinis or something and just sit there. <laughs> drink water. <laughs> yeah, you can drink water with rose petals on top. I, I wouldn't steal your business idea. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think every lad on the estate, even the girls were making it, I think. I'm sure we were. I think it was just a... Just to go to the, you know what, guys, we can make some money here. Just get a two litre bottle of water, just put rose petals in it, mate, and just stir it, <laughs> sell it. Yes, yeah, and you didn't doubt yourself back then, right? So, you... this is the thing we lose our inner child because we start to worry about what other people think, mm. which is a big problem. Big problem. Don't ever think about what others think, only <laughs> stick to people that will pick you up and lift you up and believe in you. The people that don't believe in you will pick you up. They're just and nobody mate and literally nobody if they don't they're only getting angry because they've never done it they'll just sit there behind the behind the keyboard i don't like this all right mate go away i'm going to play with yourself and do something go on piss off (laughs) you you are lucky if they do it on their keyboard on the table probably they are doing it while sitting on toilet on their phone but (laughs) the words stink like them (laughs) oh my god Sprague, shh. Mm. Your face offends my mirror. Please, please, get out of it. Yeah. Right. Lovely, lovely, lovely speaking with you. Thank you very much. Absolutely enjoyed it. Oh, it's been amazing. Honestly, it's been really uplifting. And this comes out New Year's Day. So it's a great start to the year. Um, yeah. We all know what to do. We're all got to go out, date married people, take magic mushrooms, and. Uh, and become a soul reader. And become a soul reader. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> the, Sorted. <laughs> the Wikipedia uh, way how to live your life. Yes. Yeah. It's a, yeah. In, in three steps. In three steps. 
Yeah. How to utilize your depression in three easy steps. Exactly. And if you can smile like Veronica here, and you made you made it, that's it. Exactly. And if you don't so, make it, just sell water with rose petals. Four steps. Four steps. But you have to look cute while doing it. That's the, it. You'll be a millionaire this time next year. Rose water. <laughs> <laughs> Take it on Dragon's Den. You made it. Right, Veronica. Okay. I'm going to bid you farewell. Thank you very much. It was Thank really you. lovely. No, I really do appreciate you coming on. I loved it. How did you find it? Were you okay with this? Was it good? Uh, definitely. Just put it all there. We do not cut anything out. <laughs> well, I've got. I've got. I've got to do some editing. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no. Yeah. So just so everybody does know, knows aware. So there's going to be a short version of this that will come out on Monday, which will be New Year's Day. So if you listen to this now, hello, it's here today. The Sunday after this comes out will be this full, unedited, uncut version. Okay. Just for the guys out there, because there's a lot of guys and girls out there that haven't really got an hour to two hours to listen. Mm-hmm. My people have, because we all drive for a living. So we just stick it on and we can just drive and listen yeah. to the podcast. Um, but for those people that live a fast life, you know, the, the millionaires off selling rose petals and selling bags of magic mushrooms kind of thing, the 15, 20 minute one is there for you guys. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Thank yeah. you for building our life the way it is now. <laughs> and none of us are perfect no one no one's perfect right that's it from me veronica you've been absolutely a superstar amazingly funny really cheered me up um obviously we're recording this just before christmas so i'm going to say merry christmas and a happy new year to you yeah. hope you have a very blessed year yeah. and hopefully you'll get your project started <laughs> okay. and that's it so we'll all see you next week next take care guys bye thank you very much for tuning in this week guys really do appreciate it if you want to reach out you can do on all of the social medias and even the podcast sites wherever you listen to your podcast just search still worth the journey and remember you are still worth the journey see you all next week